Amen. Welcome to the church. How are you guys doing? Amen. That, we just worshiped, didn't we? That was amazing. We just, we just worshiped. How do you know that? It felt good. <laughs> there you go. We just know it. We, we just worship. We just experienced a, a worship time together. And, and I think that we know that not because we were all singing, right? But because the truth inside of you that you already know, that scripture tells us, that that, that met up with the spirit who lives inside of you. And that, that, that aligned with each other. And as we came together as a group this morning, you began to sing that. And you begin to sing that, and the expression started to happen, right? And that spirit became alive and well in this place, and we, and we felt it with each other, right? And it was real. But see, that's not always the case. And I want to challenge us something, uh, with something this morning along those lines. Uh, my name is Blake. I'm the worship pastor here. It, which, what, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I guess. I guess. I, like, like, what does worship pastor even mean, right? Like, like the guy who worships? I don't, I don't know. But um, I, I, I want to bring up an experience that I had. It was, it was amazing. And, and, and the, this guy, these guys are, are amazing. We're so blessed. But I, I had one of, the, one of the best worship experiences I've ever had in my life. And I want to share that with you guys. It was, it was um, two, two years ago, uh, July 7th, 2019. I'll never forget it. I was in Houston. And uh, it's my hometown, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and it actually, it took place in a stadium. It was crazy. Like, I've never seen a worship event this large. It was, it was a stadium that had a capacity of 41,000 people, all right? Now, we had, there was 37, there was over 37,000 people here in the stadium worshiping together. It was huge. It was huge. The atmosphere was electric, man. You, you just feel it. Like, everybody was just sort of in one accord. Like, they, they had the best lighting system you can imagine, it was awesome. They had the, the state-of-the-art sound system. Like, it, it was off the charts. It was amazing, man. They had, like, the best AV crew, the video crew. Everything. Like, you could just feel it, man. Hands were raised. People were singing, chanting, like, fists pumping the air like we just didn't care. You know, stuff like that was happening. It was real. It was huge. It was huge. I never experienced anything like it. I mean, we were even, like, wearing similar clothes, and like, like, like there was an understanding that, that we were there together. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know these people, except for my family I was there with. There was 37,000 other people there that we just were like united. We were united in one. But the crazy thing is there was, there was this eerie thing going on. There was, there was this understanding, there was this undertone that the enemy was present. You ever experienced that? And you're like, man, I know something's not right. And we started to recognize that it was, it was getting worse. And, and, and something had to take place. Something had to change. All right? Big change had to, happen, had to happen. Drastic change had to happen. And by change, of course, I mean, it was the bottom of the sixth inning, and we were down eight to four. All right? We were, we were losing eight to four. The Houston Astros were losing to the Anaheim Angels. And, and big change had to happen, all right? Big change had to happen. The bases were loaded. This was our chance. The bases were loaded, all right? Everybody is on their feet. And, 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 and like, again, the atmosphere was just electric. And this guy on the Astros, I know you guys are all fans, uh, Yuli Gurriel, he steps up to the plate. Yeah, <laughs> no booze. All right. 
I might cry. Uh, Yuli Guriel, he steps up to the plate, and the unthinkable happens. I mean, the thing that you only see in the movies, right? The thing that, like, it's the end of the movie, and it's just the best thing. And, and uh, check this out right here. This is actually a something crazy. Hey! It's a He's a little better, but this was the actual footage right here of the same shot. Now watch this. Watch the crowd. Look at this. You see what's happening here? Watch, watch in the background. Watch in the background. You see that? Isn't that incredible? I've never experienced anything like it. And before you call me a heretic or whatever, you want to call me, all right? I'm not here saying that I worship the Astros, but maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I needed to look at that. I'm here to say, what was happening in there? Like, why isn't that happening right here? We have, we have the most amazing thing to be pumped about in the entire world, right? I, I, I mean, do you believe that? That's the question. And so I wanted to look at that this morning. See, we, we, th- there's a tagline this morning. I don't know if you guys have notes, if you're a note-taking type person, but if you are, write this down. Your life reveals your worship. Your life reveals your worship. 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 Your life reveals your worship. So who or what are you worshiping? Your life reveals your worship. But see, to address this, we have to come to the realization that we were created to worship. If we're going to look at the definition and try to define and describe what worship is, what it truly is, we have to recognize that we were first created to worship. See, it, it goes back to the garden. Don't worry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hang out there forever. But um, it goes back to the garden that in Genesis 1, chapter, 26, chapter 1, verse 26, God created humanity in his image, and he created them as worship beings. But before we go there... I just wanted to recognize something. As humanity, we don't, you don't have to sign up on the Christian dotted line, right, to recognize this. You can look around humanity. You don't have to say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, uh, uh, to, to recognize the truth that humanity was created to worship. Check this out. In, in, between the years of 1995 and 2021, the top-grossing mo- movie genre was action-adventure. Okay, so on the surface, that doesn't sound like anything big, right? But when you dive into the category and you actually look at the movie titles that were listed down in in those top-grossing movies, every single one of them had either a primary theme or a secondary theme that followed a storyline of a hero or a superhero. All right? Every single one of them. It's estimated that there's 10,000 religions in the world. 10,000. Look at a teenager's wall. Okay, that was in the 90s. Look at a teenager's phone, all right? <laughs> uh, like, just check it out. I mean, I mean, there's objects of worship everywhere. Look at creation itself. Do you guys remember the internet craze, the double rainbow guy? Like four people. Awesome. That's a great example. <laughs> the guy is like out there. He's like a rainbow, and he's just all tripping out. He's like, double rainbow. <laughs> then it turned into a triple. Anyways, um, 
sporting events. I mean, we just looked at that, but have you seen the belly paint guy? You know what I mean? Or the belly paint team? I, w- I would show you a picture, but it's just going to gross you out. Um, yeah, I heard you guys are like, thanks. I'm going to go to lunch after this. Um, there's an intrinsic longing inside of us. There's something deep inside of us that we are made to worship. We can recognize this. And all those examples, by the way, fit. They match up with the dictionary's actual definition of what worship is. If you look at it, the noun and the verb, they, they match up. They align with that. It's this, this idea of placing this highest value or ascribing this highest value towards something or someone. All right, You and I were created as worshipers. So think about this. You and I cannot satisfy, if we know that we're created as a worshiper, we can't ever satisfy our own search for worth. We know that on our own. Only God can do that. But until we truly worship him, the depth of our worth will never be discovered. Okay? See, we're all looking for that. We're all longing for that. We're trying to figure out the meaning of life and how we fit into it. But, and you and I, can't, we can't discover that on our own without God. But until we truly worship him, the depth of that is never going to be discovered. The message today is super important because my fear, and I have this fear because I've lived it as a personal experience, is that the American church, that we right here in this room, have a little bit of confusion about what true worship is. What if we've been missing it all along? This is a big deal if this is the thing that we were created to do, right? It's a very big deal. So I, I want to take a quick look. All right, don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand for this. You're just going to embarrass yourself. All right. <laughs> um, but have you ever said or have you ever thought any of these things? It's just a quick litmus test for, for where we're at on this, all right? Think about this. Worship? Nah. Why, why, why bother? My relationship is private. It's between me and God. It's not me. Oh, yeah, the best times of worship for me, how about this one? The best times of worship for me are in my car or on the hiking trail. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we stopped going to that church. We just, we, we just didn't like the worship. We weren't getting anything out of it. Oh, when they sing those kinds of songs, I just can't worship. Worship was great today. Worship wasn't good today. <laughs> the music was too... Fill in the blank. It was too loud. It was too quiet. It was too soft. It was too calm. It was too energetic. It was too new. It was too old. I've heard them all, I promise you. (laughs) I just couldn't worship. I wasn't really feeling worship today. And so on, right? I I say these things because, unfortunately and embarrassingly, I've thought of them. I've said them. I've heard every single one of these things. And chances are you probably have too. And it's not, that that litmus test isn't to make us feel like junk today. It's not that. But if we allow ourselves to stay there, if we allow ourselves to stay in that spot, that this is what generates when we think about worship and the very thing that we were created to do, if we stay in that spot, we're getting a giant A and missing the point. Right? We're getting a giant A and missing the point of of creation itself. The one thing we were created to do. So then the question is, well, what should it look like, right? Okay, yeah, I've been getting it wrong, all right? Thanks, you know? Um, Where do we go from here? What does it look like? And so I I want us to join this story in in the New Testament. Um, Jesus, there's a little bit of backstory here. Jesus has been making disciples, actually making followers of himself, right? He's been going to cruise around teaching. Well, so is John the Baptist. But now at this point in time, 
it was starting to be recognized that Jesus was actually gaining more followers than John the Baptist, and people were kind of taking note of this. Well, the cool thing about that is that's what it was always intended to do, right? That was, that was the thing that was supposed to happen. This was prophecy being fulfilled. The whole Old Testament, the whole line of Scripture up until this point was leading towards this, that Christ, the Christ, the Messiah was coming, right? But he hadn't really revealed himself yet as that. He was teaching and people were starting to recognize, wait a second, this guy's got something real. Okay, so that was going on. So Jesus was heading from uh, Judea to Galilee to continue on the, his ministry. And he was cruising around was in, in the middle of the day, all right? It's hot. It's actually about noon. It's very hot. And they're in a very dry, arid, arid, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like very, very like dry, gross, kind of like Phoenix, all right? I guess I don't know. Um, sorry if you guys are up in the valley. Um, <laughs> Or you're listening, I don't know. Anyway, so he, he's coming up, and he comes up to this, this well, all right? He's in this region of Samaria. It, it, it's actually outside of a town called Sychar, and, and, and he comes up to this well, and he sits down to rest. Jesus sits down to rest, all right? And this, and this, this woman shows up at noon, and you know, Jesus is tired. He's sitting there to rest, and this woman shows up to draw water from the well, Okay, a couple of things. One, this is a little bit odd because, um, A, women don't necessarily in that culture travel alone to go grab water from the well. They would travel in groups of people, and B, they would actually go towards the morning time when it was cooler outside. It makes a lot of sense, right? Why would you want to go when it's noon? All right, so this lady is sort of here outside of the normal hours, all right? <laughs> This well is open from the hours of 6 to 9, and you are here at noon. Anyway, she, so she shows up, all right? And, and, and we're going to pick this up. We're going to pick this story up in verse 7. So check this out. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, open to John chapter 4, verse 7. And um, let's pray before we, we dive into that. Father, we're just we're so thankful um, for your word, God. And we're praying in the name of Jesus you would help us not to miss this. Father, that we wouldn't approach your word as, as being above it, but, God, that we would submit to your, your word and your teaching, God. Help us to hear you through this. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I mean, let's read this story together. Like, follow along. If you, don't have a, uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be right up here on the screen. And, and I want us to follow along through this whole story. And as we read this story, picture yourself there. Picture yourself in the scene. We're going to dive in. We have this, this, this sneak peek into a conversation between Jesus and this woman at the well. All right? So let's follow along this conversation, uh, starting in verse 7, if I can find it. Here it is. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. All right, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. His disciples kind of ahead of him. They'd already gone. Here's the crazy thing. Picture this. The disciples, the chances are they may have already passed this lady on the way. And, and the culture of the time would have dictated, not because they were jerks, but just the culture of the time would have dictated that they probably would have moved over to the other side of the road and had nothing. They wouldn't have said anything. I know that. All right? This is Jews coming up against a Samaritan woman. All right? It's just not going to happen. So they, were, they, were, they were probably moved off to the side of the road. It doesn't say that, but we can kind of gather that from the culture, right? And so he said, give me a drink. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Again, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. All right? The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, 
and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, and he drank it from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. This is a real place, guys. This is a real well. It's a real location, all right? It's a real thing that this guy built, and, and people use it for water to sustain life, all right? And Jesus said this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. This is his response. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Okay, the conversation continues. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Can you imagine? Dude, this sucks having to come here every day. Jesus, you know, I want that, man. So he said, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Uh-oh. The woman answered him and he says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. <laughs> Ouch. And the one that you now have is not your husband. What you, sh- what you have said is true. All right? Hey, thanks for being honest. You know what I mean? Here's the the whole story. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. All right? She's kind of like, hey, let's change the subject, all right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. This is important right here. Lean into this. This is Jesus' response in this conversation, all right? Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, here it is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Did you know that Jesus typically, when you see through the, the New Testament, when Jesus is asked a question, and most of the time it's by the Pharisees, and it's not a very honest question, right? They're trying to trip him up, and he never answers the question. He always redirects them. He's like, oh, okay, you guys are trying to trip me up over here, but check this out. Boom. You know what I mean? And he gives them this golden nugget that blows their mind. All right? This case, Jesus actually addresses her question. Isn't that interesting? Now I lost my place. (laughs) Here it is. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. This is what she says. Like, I've heard this. He who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And this is crazy right here. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Whoa. That's huge. Like all of all of history has been leading up to this point, and we're at a well, and this is it? You're him? That's crazy. I, I, I want to take a look at, at a few things in this passage, all right? Because there's some things that I think we can glean from this. It's so hard to define worship, isn't it? We've just been inundated through the American church on what worship is supposed to be. It can't be like this. can't look like this. You can't say this. You can't do this. You can't have light. You can't have lights. You can't have this. You know what I mean? And we, we've just been sort of inundated with this idea of worship. But I think Jesus addresses it at the core. But before he does, check this out. He starts off with this invitation. If you look there at the beginning of this, like towards verse 9, 10, look at verse 10. 
He starts out and Jesus plants a question in her mind about how to fulfill a need. He plants a question and he invites a real conversation in, okay? In uh, ancient times, they actually called a, a spring, like an actual spring out of the ground. Have you guys ever seen, we have one locally. Have you ever seen that spring out towards, like on your way out towards the res? In that direction? Yeah. Um, there's a spring, just, just welling up water, just coming up out of the ground. Just never stops. It just keeps coming, right? And in ancient times, they actually called that spring water uh, living water. And so it's, it's not an accident. This lady's like, man, t- tell me where that spring's at. You know what I mean? Maybe it's closer to my town. I don't have to like, bring a big old bucket up from the deep well. It says the well was deep. That's got to be heavy. Man, if I can just like, put a bucket right here and just, it just fills it up, that's, that's way better, you know? Like, like this is going on. So he, he, he initiates a conversation of interest with her. Then he goes on and he makes this, this deep connection with humanity itself. You don't have to be a Christian to recognize that you need water. This is how we were created. We need, we need food and water, right? This is basic needs. It wasn't just her. He wasn't just connecting to her. This was a very, very real physical thing. I don't know. You know, we turn on a faucet and water comes out. And when it does it, we get really ticked. We call the water company, right? We realize we missed a bill. But so it's like, you know, we, we don't have that problem. But this, this, there, that was a big deal. You have to go and, and travel to meet this need. So he, he makes a connection. That's verse 14 through 15. Jesus knows that just like everybody else, that, that we have this physical need of thirst. And then he uses that physical need to illustrate something way bigger, way more deep inside of us, that there's a spiritual need that everyone has as well. And he makes this connection. He makes this connection. We were created to worship. I think too often as, as um, Christians, uh, believers, we, we separate ourselves from the rest of society and, and we don't think that we can speak the same language. Man, we need to recognize that every single one of us, whether you have signed up for Christianity, you said Jesus is Lord, or you haven't recognized that yet, we have all been created by the same creator. And he loves every single one of you. All right? You can connect you can find a point of connection. This, this Jesus had no, seemingly from the outside, no point of connection. Jew, Samaritan, you know, rabbi, teacher, prophet, lady who's been caught up in, in tons of amount of sin, all right? Noonday, like, like there's just no seeming, but he reaches down into the core and he makes this connection. And it's not until that point you get into verse 16 where Jesus addresses the issue, all right? The glaring issue in her life. See, she's going to have to choose who or what she will worship. You can't worship two gods. Jesus himself, he says this in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and he will love the other, or he, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. In that passage, he's, he's in the context of money, but it's the same, right? You can't serve two masters. See, Jesus knew what this woman truly needed, that she needed to worship the way that she was created to. She kept going back and worshiping at the altar of husbands, sacrificing her body, sacrificing true love, sacrificing the way that she was made, only to come up empty every single time, and it was never enough. She had to keep going back to the well. And I'm not talking about water, you understand? She had to keep going back. So the question is, for us this morning, I think that we can glean from this, is what altar are you worshiping at? This is huge. You can't worship two gods. Is it money? 
I just got a couple, couple of things here. There's, there's an endless list, and this isn't a sermon about idolatry worship, but we have to start here. Is it money? Are you sacrificing time with God, time with family, time with loved ones at the altar of materialism? Leaving you empty, needing to go back to get more and more and more because it's never enough and it's just never, the well is never fulfilling you? Is it sex? Are you sacrificing true love for a quick fix? Are you, are you, are you at the altar of your body leaving you empty? needing to go back for more, and you're just never satisfied? And you, you get, you get a, a quick satisfaction, and it never fulfills, you gotta go back? Is it acceptance? Are you sacrificing true identity in Christ as his creation at the altar of his social media or sources of approval from man, from a broken world, instead of gaining identity from the one who made you and called you beautifully and wonderfully made? What sacrifices are you making? What altar are you worshiping at? I I had a personal encounter with that last one. It wasn't too long after I I moved up here. And um, a guy who was in our church he recognized it in me, and I'm thankful. See, he had established a relationship with me. He had been invited to speak into my life, right? One of those guys. And he established a relationship with me. He made a connection. He wasn't better than me, all right? He, he, just, he made a connection with me, and he called me. I don't know. He said, he, he told me one day that I, had, uh, that I struggled with the fear of man. I said, man, I cruise with Ernie. I don't fear anybody. <laughs> like, I don't have a fear of man. Have you seen this guy? And then it like hit me as time went on. He kept saying that, and he kept reminding me. And I recognized in my life that I worried more, I worried more about what people thought of me and my perception outward than, than who I was internally in my integrity and my daily walk and allowing that to be my confidence in Christ to allow that to shine out. Who are you worshiping? See, if we're truly going to worship God, we, we, we have to first stop worshiping idols. You can't worship two masters. Your life reveals your worship. Who or what are you worshiping? So now we get into the section of the scripture where Jesus actually entertains her question, which he didn't often do. As so we've been brought into this part of the, 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 the conversation where the connection has already been made, the, uh, the, the conversation has been inviting, there's been a real need recognized, and there's been sin, there's been worship of idols brought to attention, and we've, we've established all that. And so now she's got him in, in a place where she asks this question, right? She asks this question about where to worship. It's like, okay, you're, 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 you're starting to recognize. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. And, and, you know, so where do we worship? The, like, all of us have this, like, spiritual, again, we were created to worship. This, she wasn't a follower of Christ. She didn't know Christ. But we were created as worshipers. And she knew that there was this, this longing inside of her from tradition, from religion, that, that I had to get this right. I got to look right. This is us. This is totally us, right? We don't go around asking that question because that's not culturally acceptable, but we do this all the time. This is totally us. Too often we're more worried about the place or the time or the, or the atmosphere or our feelings or fill in the blank than we are about true worship. 
And this is, this is kind of Donnie. I wrote this down. I want to, I want to read this. Why, why is this? Why, why, do we, why do we feel this way? And, and this is what I came up with. I'm not saying this is like it for everybody, but I, I think there's something to pay attention here. I said, I believe it's because rather than submitting and worshiping a true God, we want a checklist. We want a checklist that we can go through in our, in our allotted time, and we want to mark it off and so that we can feel like we've done something, right? We've accomplished it so that we can move on with the rest of our real lives and worship what we really want to worship, which is ourselves. It's much easier to show up here on a Sunday morning and say, I got my worship on, than it is, and check it off, than truly submit my life as a living act of worship. It's way easier to do that. Jesus challenges her at the heart. He says, it doesn't matter. Man, you don't even know what you worship. You worship what you don't know. He says, the time's coming where it doesn't matter. Where, where what true worship is, is worshiping in spirit and truth. So then we got to look at that and say, what is spirit and truth? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Justin, Pastor Justin, he says it this way. He says, since we are always worshiping, again, we are worshipers by nature, created to worship. We're always worshiping. We have to intentionally choose to worship in the spirit informed by the truth. You hear that? We have to intentionally choose to worship in the spirit informed by the truth or we'll ultimately drift away and we, we will worship idols. See, worshiping, or in other words, ascribing the highest worth to something other than Christ with our mind, affections, and desires is, is basically what we'll end up doing if we're not intentional. So what is it to mean to worship in spirit? And I think we, we kind of know this at, at the heart level. It's really hard to describe, but you guys know there's something inside of you where my heart aligns with the heart of Christ. All right, at the, we're talking about at the deepest level. It's a recognizing that his spirit lives inside of you and, 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 and aligning yourself with his spirit. Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 9, it, it, it talks about that, that, that in many, many other areas of scripture. That's just one example about his Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So what does that look like practically? Um, turn with me. This is a, a, a letter from Paul to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 18, and I marked it so that I didn't have to do this. I'm still doing it. Galatians 5, 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you as I warned those before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, here it is. How do you know if you're worshiping in spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, lost my place. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So what does it look like to worship in the Spirit? Well, when you are worshiping in the Spirit, those things are evident. Those things are the fruit that comes out. 
When I submit to his spirit within me, I worship him by aligning my body, my actions in his spirit. And that's evidence. So what about truth? Jesus says, I'm the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John calls Jesus the word of God. And the things that Jesus speaks are true. The things his, his spirit inspires are true, which means the word of God, scripture. All right, this is gonna sound like very cliche, very churchy, right? Read your Bibles and pray. <laughs> All right? But here's the real deal. Stop getting your truth from memes, man. Stop getting your truth from social media. Stop getting your truth from conversations you have with other people that just sound right. Unfortunately, we live in a time where truth is, is relevant, or that's what they say, right? What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. It doesn't work that way. We know that. So what is truth? Everybody gains a solid foundation of truth somewhere. Even the people who say what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me are banking on that truth. <laughs> Does that make sense? It doesn't work. There is actual truth. The question is, where do you get it? Know it. Study it out. Jesus' words. Follow the life of Christ. All of scripture is inspired by him. Know that. Live it out. Your life reveals who or what you worship. Romans 12.1. It says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your bodies, man, your, everything about you, it's your, it's, your, it's, your, it's your spiritual act of worship. And he goes on to say this, holy acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, right here, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, I, 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 kind of embarrassingly, a couple weeks ago, I, um, a few weeks ago, I, I wanted to, I, I got invited to go visit my family in Houston. And my entire family lives here. And does anybody have like one of these ants that's like trigger happy on the camera? Like, and, and somehow they are like a professional photographer, but not in the way that you want them to be. They're like a professional photographer and the, the fact that they like take a picture of you and it makes you have like a quadruple chin. And it's, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, I got a donut belly. And it's like up, it, it's up on social media before you can even say, hey, can I see that? And it's got like, you know, I, I don't know. So like me in my self-consciousness, I, I uh, hit up my buddy Jeremiah and I was like, hey man, how do I lose, <laughs> this is embarrassing, how do I lose 15 pounds in a week and a half? Like, I know you got like a drink or something, you know what I mean? Like some sort of thing that's going to just make me hang out in the restroom all day. Like, what is it? Like, how, how can I lose 15 pounds in a week and a half? And he challenged me. He said this, by the way, we were eating breakfast while we were talking about this. <laughs> like a pancake. Um, I wish I was kidding. He, he, he asked this question. He challenged my motives. And he said this. He said, setting the motive right Will, re will render the desired outcome as a byproduct, not the pursuit itself. He asked me a question. He said, do you want to get healthy? Do you want to live a healthy lifestyle? Is that what you want? You want to change your mind? You want to renew your, how you're thinking about this? Or do you just want to keep going to the well? 
just want to keep going back for the quick fix. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it was a change of a mindset. What is our pursuit? This is huge when it comes to this. You know, we started out with this story, we are, or this story, this, like, this event that took place that I got to be a part of. And I said it was, it was one of the best worship services I've ever been to. It wasn't the best, right? It was missing the one thing that we need in a worship service, which was the object of worship, right? It, was, it wasn't the best, but the atmosphere was amazing. Can you imagine this? What would it look like if this place was filled on, on a typical Sunday morning between the two services? There's about four to 500 adults, depending on the weekend. Can you imagine what it would be like if this place right here was filled with four to 500 men and women who not just showed up here to gain worship, all right? Not just showed up here to receive a good worship, but who showed up here as a result of Monday being dug into the word of God, being living out, being everything that they, they gained from the word of God is overflowing out of them, right? And, and prayer, and, and my life is an act of worship on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as each of those individuals, as worship began personally in their heart, the true worship, worship of God, aligning my heart, my spirit with truth. And, and the outpouring of that is a life of worship. What would it look like if four to 500 people showed up here on a Sunday morning and, and that started to pour out? Like the genuineness of that started to pour out. Dude, this place would freaking explode. Are you kidding me? The roof would blow out. We'd be having fireworks in here, get in trouble. I mean, it would be amazing. That's a grand slam. And it's not trying to, you know, instead of trying to show up here and gain a little bit from his expression or her expression of worship. No, man, I'm bringing worship with me because this has been happening all week long. And the place would blow up. Worship is a way of life. It's not a practice. Practice is our release. This, is a, this should be a release. When we get here, this should be a really an expression. There's many different expressions. We always equate worship with singing, right? Oh, so it's time for worship. Well, it's not like entirely untrue, but it's not complete. This is a release but you can't release what you don't have. So if you're just showing up and you're singing, you're missing the point. If you're just showing up to get a good show, these guys do a great show, but you're missing the point. You understand? Worship starts in your personal life and your life reveals your worship. I, I, I want us to do something this morning that's, that's a, a little bit different. I, I, I want us to, to practice this, to put it in, in reality, to put it in practicality right now. Because how, how amazing is it when true worship, true worship wells up inside of you? Jesus said that it would be a, a spring of living water welling up. What would it look like if that was, if that was happening? But it can't happen unless we deal with this first. You understand that? And so um, right now it's the first Sunday of the month and we take communion together. We have this time where we, we remember, um, and, and you guys got a cup on your way in, all right? It's a, it's a two-way cup. It's got a piece of something like a cracker or something on top. And there's a second layer with juice, all right? In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus leads his disciples and us 
by example in taking communion. He does this actually, which is kind of weird. He does this before his actual death, all right? Um, this is going to happen. And he, and, he, and he does this. Again, this is such a great example, right? We could just sit here, and if you take the juice, and you, and you got no idea of what's going on, you can sit there and drink the juice, and you can eat the cracker, and it means nothing. You understand that? Like, I, I can take the cracker out, eat it, juice, whatever. It's not, it's not like a ton. It's not going to fill me up. It's, it means nothing unless you understand why we're doing it. And so I, I want us to take communion together this morning. And I, and I want to challenge you with this. If you have not signed up, this is not you. You're just here because you, um, you thought this was a Billy Joel concert or something like that. Um, I apologize. Um, yeah. But if this is you, if you've signed up, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. We're going to pray, and then I want us to take communion together. One question is, what idols have you placed in your life that you've worshipped? other than God. I think we all can find at least one. And we're going to pray. And as we pray, I want you to ask God to remove that idol in your life. See, we're starting here. We're aligning our heart with truth. The word, the truth says you can only serve one master. All right? So are you or are you not a believer? Are you or are you not a follower of Christ this morning? If you are, then you approach God and you say, I am sorry, I've been worshiping another God. Here it is, I'm done. Repentance doesn't look like I'm sorry and I go back to it. Repentance looks like I'm done. I'm, I'm stepping forward into new life. So let's start there. And the second thing is, as we pray, I want us to be thankful for the true sacrifice that Jesus made. The, the, the juice in the cup represents the blood that was spilled for you and for me on the cross. The bread or whatever that is in the cup represents the body that was truly broken. This is a real thing. Do you believe that in your heart? Are you thankful in, in, in your spirit? Are you thankful? Then let's take communion together. Let's pray and we're gonna take communion together as the band leads us in this next song. And the cool thing about all this is taking the communion. This is an expression. This is a release. This is a showing of what's happening inside here. If it's not, don't do it. This is what we're talking about. And as we sing this song together, this is an expression. This is us coming together as the true worship inside of you, 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 you begins to well up that we sing together. We stand up and this place explodes, not to trying to gain something, but as releasing something that's already happening. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you've called us to new life. And uh, we're not just stuck here in, in depravity. But Father, you, you have provided a well that springs up living water that we can be fulfilled truly if we would just truly worship you, God. Help us, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you for the blood that was spilled. We thank you for the, your body that was truly broken. God, we, um, we receive your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness for worshiping other idols. Help us to step into life, God, where we worship the creator the way that we were created to do. For your glory, God.